Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Brian Walker from U.S. Department of Energy and Kelly Gordon, who's a project program manager at Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. Before we get to them, though, whew, you know, we're going to have a good show, so just wait for it. But you can't forget the easy folks. That's right. The people who keep it all easy for you. I'm talking about Keystone. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. Greg Eric, keep it easy with Light Made Easy, the Retrofit Kings at KeystoneTech.com. So, yeah, talk about keeping it easy. Sometimes you need to see the product before you sell it, right? That's important. You want to see how it performs and do that. Sure, they'll send out samples and they'll do all that. But they also have a new feature that's a, a live meeting you can do at their facility, on the computer. You're at your place. They're at their place. They're going to actually demo all the product. It's a full showroom, and it's awesome. Check it out. You can book Keystone Live. On their website. You know, always coming out hot. You know, they're, they're, they're taken after the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. You know, they were the original sponsor, and now they have their own thing set up. I love it. Of course, proud members, longtime members now, Greg, of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's nailed.org. Get educated. Get associated. We got LS Evolve coming out hot. We got people from Pacific Northwest Lash Laboratory that are doing Andrea Wilkerson's uh, LS Evolve modules are coming out, I don't know, any time now, all on queuing and all that sort of stuff. Go to NAILD.org. Forget about it. Come on. Let's do it. But for right now, Brian Walker, Kelly Gordon, thank you for being the guests. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mike. And thanks, Greg. So um, thank you for having us on and, and giving us a chance to talk about uh, the L-Prize. Uh, mm -hmm. Secretary of Energy just announced it on May the 17th, the start of this uh, multi-million dollar prize competition. Um, we're excited to talk about it with you here today. Uh, and we'll have a chance, you know, hopefully to, to talk about the prize, of course, um, get into you, you know, your thoughts about it. Um, I guess I wanted to begin to, by talking about what we perceive to be the problem, right? If a prize like this is an answer, uh, what's the question? Um, and really, the the thing I guess I want to begin with, right, is the fact that most of your listeners, but some people out there in the in the lighting community, um, or beyond the lighting community, when they they're talking about uh, the most innovative places that we need to be spending time and attention. Uh, there are some folks who want to say that lighting is done. They want to say, right, that's great. The LED revolution is past tense. Check the box, move on. And what we're realizing uh, from some of the market data that we have, right, talking to uh, manufacturers, also distributors, um, also installers, is we're really realizing that um, the adoption of LED hasn't gone quite as quickly as we would have hoped. And it specifically hasn't gone quite as quickly in certain segments of the market, specifically in commercial, right? It's pretty difficult sometimes to uh, to see that, right? If you're if you're a consumer, like many of the folks that I'm I'm working with, many families um, that maybe made the switch to LED a long time ago because they could buy bulbs at Home Depot and they could buy them um, at Walmart, but uh, we're realizing, right, that that we need to have a clear value proposition. We also need to bring a lot of different pieces together. Uh, to make sure that we're seeing the kind of innovation that we want to see. And so part of that is making sure that people know, look, it's not enough to just drive on luminous efficacy. The Department of Energy's mission for a very long time has been about energy savings, and, and we're not going to forget that, right? I'm not going to forget who I work for or why. Um, we're also knowing it's not enough. Right? Lighting has to be high quality. We have to listen to customers. We have to listen to what it is that they actually want. That's one of the reasons why I'm really glad to be on your podcast today. Um, 
we also have to think about where that next incremental watt, kilowatt, terawatt is going to come from when we're going to save energy. And that's part of the reason why it's not enough to think about even the way we've thought about quality in the past. It's also important to think about how we're going to enable the watts saved in the future. Uh, we need to think about the environmental impact overall. Um, what are enabling technologies uh, for things like connected controls, which haven't done as well, nearly as well, um, as you all know, uh, as many of us would have uh, thought they might or maybe even would have hoped. Um, so seeing how this, these pieces, pieces can come together, uh, seeing how we can make sure that the economic impact of this is significant, because again, these are, these are taxpayer dollars that we're spending. We want to make sure that people get good value for their money. So again, it's not enough to think about how any one of these pieces contributes. Um, it's important to drive excellence in all these areas. And we want to dispel the myth that it just can't be done. Right? We want to basically set a mark, an ambitious mark, out there for people to respond to uh, and see what they can come back to us with. I'm going to one-up you there, um, Brian. I, I actually think that we're at the end of the beginning. Um, hmm of this, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, there's a couple things. There's a lot of uh, developments that are in front of us. There's a lot of mistakes to fix, errors that have been made by the industry, um, specifically with flickering LED tubes and flickering LED fixtures with respect to uh, darkness and our relationship to natural darkness and dark skies. I think there's a lot of work to be done there. And so I, I actually going to take it further. I, I think it, it's just starting. The fact that people are, you know, suggesting that it's finished is you're, you don't know that much about li the lighting industry would be my answer to that. Um, you know, so let's go over to Kelly though. Kelly, what, how would you like to expand on that or add to that or just take it in a different direction here to start off? No, I agree. And I, and I think it's, it's, um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of uh, paraphrasing one of our, our senior members of the lighting community, Terry McGowan. He says, it's, it's always a great time to be in lighting. And I totally agree with that. And I think it's kind of exceeded our, our expectations back in the early days of LED replacement bulbs. And kind of the focus there on was just getting to be good enough to replace um, the fluorescent and standard, uh, standard uh, technologies. And and that was that needed to be a focus for a long time. And then price down needed to be a focus for a long time. But but I agree, we're getting into a whole new ball game here um, with trying to tap more of the potential of this technology. And I think that's what what DOE has really tried to keep a focus on is kind of what's the long term potential of this technology to really uh, transform lighting uh, delivery, so that service that lighting provides. Uh, and really make that essentially so much more than people have usually thought about lighting. It's just kind of just kind of there. They don't notice it, right? And we and we want it to be um, spaces that people really love and they feel good about. And it's oh, by the way, it's super energy efficient and super functional, and it's providing the right uh, intensity of light and the spectrum of light. Uh, to the right place at the right time, and uh, it all works smoothly together. So when you look at it that way, there is there is a ways to go uh, compared to where we are now in uh, most commercial settings. So I, I agree, it's, it's a really exciting time, and we think this prize really kind of brings together a lot of those themes and says, hey, let's, let's try to innovate 
Um, and we know there's so many challenges with that when you're, you know, the lighting industry has been going through tremendous changes uh, for the past 10 years. Um, and just frankly, challenges, you know, it's, it's, you guys know you're out there every day and it's a challenging market, challenging construction market and specification market and everything. And so, um, you know, we're not, no one company can do this on their own and we need to work together as an industry and, and hopefully um, an incentive like the, like the L prize really um, spurs some, some thinking and some innovation. That's really what we want to see. It's a celebration. Want to come in. It's a celebration on yeah. of innovation, actually, which is fantastic. Yes, yes. it's like celebrating yeah. it. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, I think that I think that that's a, a wonderful way, especially with government support. It always means a lot more when it comes from places like the DOE rather than, you know, that it, you know National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors put, gives out awards too, but it's mm -hmm. not at this at the same level. But yeah, for sure, go ahead, Brian. Well, I, I was just going to to riff off of that the question of innovation here for a second and the idea that we don't have all the answers, right? I think it's very important for us to approach that with, with humility. My background's in science. I've, I've, uh, you know, long been comfortable with the idea that if you know the answer, then uh, it's really not research that you're doing. Um, and of course that's the purpose of, of the program that I manage. But one of the other parts of humility is recognizing that if the existing approaches haven't been working, it's also important for us to make sure that we get as many people as possible interested in this. Um, and I think a big part of that as well, and the prize, I didn't mention this uh, quite as much up front, um, but I know it's something that you've discussed on this show, uh, concerns diversity and inclusion, right? I think it's, I think it's important. I think we need to make sure that the, the right people, uh, uh, of course, uh, hear about it. We need to make sure that it's as broad as possible. We need to make sure that we're getting, for example, younger folks, um, maybe they have somewhat unconventional backgrounds, technical backgrounds, non-technical backgrounds, right? Many people I know that got interested in lighting uh, did so from a theater background. Um, how do we get people interested in, and excited about this as a highly innovative field like everybody on this call knows? Um, and so that's one of the reasons why the prize is also staged the way it is, right? It's, it's not just big money for, uh, for big players. Um, it's also how do we get people excited at the early stage uh, interested in design? How can we get people interested in, in turning some of their ideas into prototypes? And then uh, the, the latest stage of the prize, the last part of the prize, is how do we get as many folks as possible uh, thinking about, again, what scaling looks like? How can we make sure we get these actually into buildings? How can we make sure that they're manufactured uh, in a way that benefits the broader economy? And uh, so, so I wanted to make sure I mentioned that also. Okay. And, and I'm going to, I want to respond to that very quickly because yeah, um, please. Yeah. I, I think that's cute. Okay. I do. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I don't mean to be crass with that, but I, I think that mm -hmm. diversity in a, in a sense, when you're, when you're, where it exists, where there is diversity, whether that's by age, whether that's by ethnic background or gender, what have you needs to be embraced for sure, because it broadens the scope and the deliverable and, and brings in all voices. How does that then relate to innovation, though? I mean, that, I, I don't understand how that, how that translates. Is the, is the innovation the diversity? Is that the innovation? Or is, are you expecting to increase scientific knowledge through that? Uh, well, I'm going to respond to this partially. And then, Kelly, I hope you're going to go too, because, of course, mm -hmm. you all have a lot to say about the subject also. Um, so I'll start by saying that... Um, I think, uh, 
I think it's very important to acknowledge again that that humility that you don't necessarily know where the idea is coming from. As long as that remains true, uh, it's a really bad idea to be closed off. I think one of the things that uh, that I'm learning uh, as I engage with with communities and other folks is that it's possible for someone who looks like me. Um, I could be closing myself off to things just you know without necessarily even realizing so sometimes. And so I want to make sure that I maintain a, a stance of openness and that we're interested in innovation wherever it comes from. And I think Tina Halfpenny had a great article about this right in Legs Magazine not too long ago, uh, saying that because of the fact that there are so many unsolved challenges, we need to make sure that the doors are open as wide as possible. So, so yeah, to your, to your earlier point, what's the point of this? The point, the point is the innovation, right? That's my, that's my day job, that's my night job, that's my whole focus. And in order to do that, we're going to need as many people as possible to help us out. Agreed. Um, just different perspectives is really important. And um, I think also kind of challenging ourselves in the lighting industry to, to um, provide really high quality lighting and some of the, the new features and um, value streams into places where uh, we wouldn't necessarily expect them to, to, to go. Because often in lighting, when we have something new, it tends to go into very high-end applications because there's gonna be a cost premium. And so it's like, where can we do this? Okay, it's sort of a showcase thing. It ends up being a very high-end building. And, and when we're in, in much of the field work we've been doing, we've been focusing on healthcare and senior care, um, classrooms, um, and, and we know, yes, there are new high-end versions of all of those, but there's a much greater population of aging infrastructure, basically, you know, older buildings um, that, that really would benefit from some, some good, um, high-quality, cost-effective uh, retrofit solutions, for example, um, that, could be, that could be really interesting. And especially when we're looking at um, some of the benefits that, that we've seen just in, in field uh, installations. I think Andrea has talked about some of this with you guys, just the way teachers look at lighting, the way nurses look at lighting, the way the, the families of babies who are in a neonatal intensive care unit, the way they look at lighting, right? It's, you just really need that diversity of experience and um, income levels and perspective that help you see, oh, I didn't even think about that, that function of lighting that really could make a difference for people. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that expensive or that fancy. It's just, oh, did we think about building this in? So I think, you know, it really could help us better serve um, a lot of markets. And, and that's, I mean, that's good for the industry. That's good for the, the end users. And we hope very good for the energy perspective as well. Well, I was going to, that's it. I just wrote down and I kept meaning to bring it up each time with mm -hmm. e each one of you, what you said. But then there was another thing that came up that I wanted to respond to. It's, it's this idea of redefining energy efficiency. So mm -hmm. like, there, you know, you, you talk about, I always, on the show, I often say the bean counter has got to get out of the industry. That, that doesn't mean that, um, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that there isn't, I'm not focused on energy efficiency. That's basically what I do every day. Um, in my own practice. But what I'm thinking of is, is like safety, understanding what outdoor safety actually is for people. 
you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to more light, more uniform light, 5,000K, the more the better. That's a waste of energy, actually. You know, mm-hmm. even if you're in that uh, Jevons paradox where it's so cheap, the LEDs are so efficient that you can put up so many more of them, I don't think that falls within the paradigm of what you guys are trying to accomplish. Have you guys actually had discussions about redefining, like wasted light at night is is not efficient, like, these types of ideas? Have you guys unpacked those at all in, in your work and with the L-Prize? I'm going to say yes, and then I'm also going to turn it over to Kelly, because I know you have okay. a lot more to say. Yeah, I think we, we've been thinking about this a lot, and I think the industry is really starting to think this way too. Um, the industry writ large, and, and I have in mind specifically the Eliminating Engineering Society, you know, really trying to um, work on assigning and, and understanding the values of, of lighting, and there's different aspects to that, and it doesn't all come down to lumens per watt or watts per square foot. You know, you just can't capture um, what you're really getting out of it with those traditional metrics. So you said the bean counters. Well, it's like, you know, what are the, the different types of beans that we need to be counting, really? <laughs> it's not just one type. Um, and and it, it ties into what we've been calling lighting application efficiency. And again, that's what I was saying before, getting the right intensity, the right spectrum to the right place at the right time. And, you know, being able to have control over that because, I think the other thing that we're coming to realize is that, you know, as we try to emulate more natural light, daylight, for example, we realize it's, you know, daylight is is not static. It's it's dynamic. We really need more dynamic control over lighting, um, and and to be able to get that value so that we can, you know, when we talk about light for kind of helping our circadian systems, that we can have. Know, bright light when we need it during the day and then very importantly and as you were saying michael low light uh at other times right that's that's you know a, as important is that it's that contrast and making sure that we're not getting light at the times when we really don't need it and don't want it so um yeah i think i think that is is something that we definitely want to focus on is how do we metricize quantify these different functions of light and and truly get to what what is important to people what benefits people what benefits the uh, productivity and well-being and um, and other aspects of, of interaction with light that we have not fully fleshed out before I want to really quick also uh, piggyback off of something Kelly just said uh, hopefully you're noticing um, either from this conversation with the L Prize or, or other things we're talking about, we really want to be as grounded and as practical, even, even as we're trying to push the front. So, right, it's, it's one thing to talk about developing new metrics, but where Kelly, I think, is, is, in my opinion, being too humble talking about the team, is that it's not just about developing the metrics themselves. It's also about getting a lot of people to feed in, right, to provide input, to make sure that we are uh, considering a lot of different uh, perspectives there, um, not just in a lab, but also out there in the field, uh, talking to people, many people, getting them validated through like a consensus process, uh, sort of like she's mentioning. Um, but also the realization that none of this stuff matters if it sits on a shelf. And that's the same approach mm-hmm. we're trying to take with the Prize, right? That we don't want some kind of requirement that's going to lead to hothouse flowers that aren't going to matter anyplace, right? We act- recognize that they're probably going to be uh, very futuristic looking at the time. Right in the next couple of years, while the L Prize is happening, um, 
but we're also motivated by the experience from the first Hell Prize, and Kelly can tell you more about it because she was involved with the program than I wasn't. Um, but we also know that the innovations from those those winning products, those winning uh, submissions, they went everywhere, right? And that was one of the things that helped lead to the revolution. So that's been a, a real touchstone for us. Yes, let's be innovative. Let's be practical also. And by the way, if we're wrong about something, we want to get it right. And so you, right, your colleagues, other listeners, um, you know, want to feed into the DOE's process, want to give us uh, in inputs and tell us, again, where we're getting it wrong. Um, we value that input. So thank you. Yeah, and that ties in nicely to what I wanted to kind of shift it to. You know, to understand where we're going, we need to know where we came from. We had an mm -hmm. L Prize in the initial L Prize. I guess, first of all, what does L Prize stand for? Lighting Prize. Lighting prize. Simple as <laughs> I like that. The simplicity. Okay, good. Yep. And what year was the first one? So the first one it originally launched in in 2008, if you can believe that. It was uh, at Light Fair in 2008. It was I think in Las Vegas. Um, we had a whole group of of uh, utility people and others that were interested in the prize. Uh, someone even started a wave and said, "We're gonna, you know, this is gonna be a wave that we're gonna ride." It was. It was great. It was fun. Um, and we ultimately uh, awarded that first L Prize in 2011. So it was a pretty lengthy process. It took some time to get an entry. And we had very um, stringent validation uh, uh, procedures, including some long-term testing. So we did basic photometric testing. Well, first of all, we required 2,000 bulbs. 2,000 of the sample bulbs um, to be submitted. We had 200 of those sent out for photometric testing at uh, accredited uh, testing labs. We also uh, did our own stress testing on, on a sample of them, comparing them to CFLs and how they, how they survived various stresses like vibration and high heat and humidity. And, and, and by the way, they, they uh, survived where all of the CFLs uh, failed in those tests and um, and then long-term testing under elevated uh, temperature conditions. So they were, we had a, an apparatus that we put 200 of those bulbs into and um, I should be saying lamps. I realize I'm talking to a, a lighting community so I can say lamps. Uh, we put 200 lamps in there and ran them at 45C. They were run continuously. And one of the things we wanted to see was Okay, when you run them, we knew that LEDs increase at the beginning, right? We wanted to see kind of where they leveled off in their, or they peaked in their in their output, and that turned out to be just shy of 2,000 hours. Um, and then we continued to run them for you know another 6,000 hours after that to make sure that they would meet the requirement. Um, and then, in fact, we continued to let them run, you know, for 25,000 hours, and then we got a statistical sample of those 200 that we we continue to run even today so they've passed uh the last time we really uh published any results was 60,000 hours but now they're they're well past 80,000 hours and i think there's been one one failure out of that and the rest of them are still at a very high uh lumen maintenance and high um uh, or a, a low uh, chromaticity shift, so they've they've really stayed within the within the boundary. So you, so you might even say somewhat somewhat over engineered maybe for for that application, but it kind of shows what what's possible, right? Um, and so uh, 
what was what was the original question? Let's go back to the yeah, just uh, yes. the history of it. So this is great. Being and so, how past, many how many yes. submissions were there? Yeah, how many were there? Do you recall? There was one complete submission. So the so the submission that came in from Phillips Lighting North America was the only complete submission. There were two other companies that indicated they were going to submit, um, and but that never came to fruition. We did not receive the um, the the samples from them. Are those two so, still yes, around? So, sure yes. Okay. Yes, right. they are. Yes. It's like an LED um, museum. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did donate the, you know, the uh, initial prototype lamps uh, to the Smithsonian, so they've got it in there in their attic for the next time they freshen up the uh, lighting uh, and electricity displays um, that's it's there yes and, well, and so, how much did they so, get what was the dollar amount sir oh the uh the prize winner mm -hmm. that in that prize it was 10 million for the 60 watt replacement lamp and then there was another category for par 38 which was going to be five million but that um that was open for a while and we never got any entries in that um in that category and i think it's in retrospect i think it's just because that market was already going along and you know par 38 was one of the earlier um applications and and i think i think the the lamp makers kind of said yeah we don't we don't need that because it's a you know we're already going and then this, uh, then the, the third category is is the one now that we've uh, that we've finally been able to to open, um, and and I think it's really good timing for it, with the innovations that have happened since then. What is the the value of this L price? In total, the price is or the purse is uh, twelve point two million, and the in the concept phase um we uh what the way we've laid it out is that we can award up to 10 um winners in the concept phase and those those winners would get twenty thousand each uh, so up to 10 awards there and then in the prototype phase there's a up to a two million dollar purse that could be split up to three ways and then the 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 larger prize is in the manufacturing and installation phase where it would be a 10 million dollar purse and right now you guys are working out the details of it, but are you able to, I know we talked a little bit about where it's going to be going, but is it, is it going to be a, a screw and light bulb again? Is it a fixture? Is it a, what is it? A, a chipboard? Do you want to address it? Just so jump in anytime, Brian. So. Sure. Sure. So it's, it's not, it's a luminaire. It's a finished lighting system, right? So it's not enough for it to just be a chip. Right, it's got to include the driver. And in fact, we actually do have, again, some requirements around controls. So it's got to include those two. It's got to be fully functional. Um, and I mean, Kelly's mentioning what these different phases of the prize entail. That initial phase, that concept phase is based on paper. So it's all about plans. It's about uh, providing a credible evidence. We're, we're specific, of course, in the actual rules. Um, but it's about providing actual evidence that folks can hit the technical targets that we're specifying they have to hit uh, for the prize. Um, the second one, it is again about a prototype. Um, that third prize, that, that phase, um, that's, uh, we're asking for a lot, right? Because we're not just asking for a functioning prototype. 
uh, we're, ask, we're asking folks to actually install them. As Kelly mentioned, it's the manufacturing and installation phase. We're asking for significant installations in actual buildings. Um, and we're asking folks to try to increase as much as possible uh, the U.S. domestic manufactured content of those products. Because again, if it's U.S. taxpayers who are footing the bill for this, it's only fair for U.S. taxpayers to try to get as much of that benefit into the real economy as possible. And of course, we don't know yet uh, how many people are going to be inter interested or how many are going to enter. Um, and we are interested in collecting input for both the prototype and the, the manufacturing and installation phases before they launch. Um, we're collecting those actually until July the, the 15th. So, um, you know, very interested in, in getting input from uh, your listeners on that. Um, uh, and you can, you can send uh, input in through the LPRIZE website. Uh, but basically what we're looking to do is to incorporate that. But we've got a, a version of the rules that's out there now to say, look, uh, this is what we think is impactful. Like I was saying a little bit earlier, this, this is the marker that we're putting down. Um, you know, tell us, you know, poke holes in it, tell us where, where you know, we're wrong or where we need to change things. And we're gonna take that under consideration before we uh, issue the final versions. Is it the, the fixture, the finished product? Are you defining the dimensions of it? Like a two by four panel or, or sorry, two by four fixture, two by two, or are you just saying, we don't care if it's round, square, triangle, whatever, just as long as it can do everything. Yeah, there's it's no form factor requirement. Yeah. Oh, go it's ahead. Got to be commercial. Yes, yeah. I was going to say commercial settings, right? All office settings. Um, we're not aiming for for uh, high bay, for example. It sounds like it's a team uh, of the channel that would win that prize. You know, it doesn't sound like a manufacturer could win that prize without a team of people in dis distribution or a distributor and a contractor because you're, you're talking about how does the uh, system perform and how is it commissioned in the field and do the people enjoy what's what's happening does it cue them to do certain things um, you know what you know it sounds like the whole a, a channel partners would have to come together to make this application or a manufacturer would have to lead its channel partners through this in order for them to get the scope of real installs in the field. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be a commission to some awesome sales guy, eh, Greg? That's <laughs> <laughs> like a nice one. No, no we, we do think that too, that it's going to be best if it, if it is a, a team, especially in that third phase when you talk about you know, manufacturing and getting them installed and, and getting everything working. And so, you know, we really see that as an important uh, uh, part of this competition is this uh, teaming. Uh, we are going to be issuing, you know, our plan is is um, to issue an, an RFI for people that are interested potentially in, in teaming arrangements. Um, of course, a lot of that would just, you know, go go on behind the scenes, but we also wanna provide an opportunity for people to to see who, who might be interested. Um, and so, you know, we like I said before, there, there's no one company that can do this all on their own, you know, they, and, and really to, to try to tap into these uh, new potentials of this technology. And so we really wanna see, um, you know the industry coming together and 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 pulling together teams that can say look there's there's different ways to do this let's let's try this out um and so we would love to see some some great uh maybe new teams uh and and uh real you know trying to to go from concept to 
because we know there's there's a there's a big uh, ocean to cross there in concept to actually making this uh, work in the field, and uh, that's going to take a lot of players, I think. Is there a deadline, like you're saying, that's going to be shut down by this date? Yeah, so there's a so for the concept phase, it's uh, in November. So November 19th, I believe, is the is the deadline for the concept phase, and and this is all going to roll out over um, a several year period, right? Because we we want to get the concepts and and allow you know, industry, um, research uh, uh, organizations and universities, you know, I think students could be involved in this concept phase um, and then launch the prototype phase. And there's, that's a nine month uh, process to, to, to get the prototypes in, get those evaluated. Uh, it's winners chosen. Sorry, oh, it's 12 months for, for, the, uh, for the prototype phase. And then for the um, manufacturing and installation phase, uh, an 18 month period. Um, so, because that's, like we said, that's a lot, lot to ask, um, but it's a, it's a good challenge to put out there. And I think um, could just, it could, it could bring a lot of, of attention to some new innovations and um, a chance to just, I, I think one of the things in the first L prize that was really useful was just kind of putting a focus on, can we get all of these um, performance attributes into one product? Um, yeah, it's hard, there's trade-offs, there's expenses, there's this and that, um, but yes, yes we can. And it, and it kind of puts a focus on it and says, okay, you know, let's, let's kind of raise the bar of expectations. Um, and so we, we're looking for something similar with this prize. And so you, as of now, there aren't, there is no way to submit an application. It, it, it's just a, the gathering stage and the feedback you're taking is, is just based on the parameters you've set. You're not asking for anything specific right now. You're just saying general feedback on it. Well, the well, comments on, the, go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, we're we're expect we're accepting comments, and that's the first deadline. That's going to be in uh, here coming up in about a month. Um, folks can submit to the concept phase starting now, right? It, it opened on May seventeenth. Uh, the deadline for that is not until November, uh, unless Greg, you're very very different from me. Uh, you're not probably going to be in a position, right, to submit that concept uh, here next week or so. Um, <laughs> If you've got one, I mean, I, I really hope that, that <laughs> you've got a great ideas that you're going to be submitting to the L Prize. Um, so that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, what what Kelly was saying, right? We really want to make sure we get the word out. Um, want to make sure that as many people uh, get excited about this as possible. Well, it sounds exciting to me. Um, you know, it's a, a very holistic in its approach. Um, and at this phase of the lighting industry, where we, you know, as you said earlier in the conversation. You know, we're redefining the, or I said, redefining the energy savings, the idea of energy savings, and then including all these other areas. Um, one of the things that I, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen it, the, the podcast that is hosted by Jane Slade called Starving for Darkness, which is interesting. We've insisted on that show over and over that the, we could be looking at a paradigm shift that the lighting industry actually starts to get paid to provide darkness. Um <laughs> And, you know, that's it. That's it. That people talk, throw around the word paradigm shift a lot, but that would be mm -hmm. a paradigm shift by definition. Um, so 
you know, you think about it, how important to the DOE and, and PNNL is the restoration of natural darkness? And in my mind, I look at it, if, especially specifically for outdoor lighting, but HCL, the fundamental factor of HCL is restoring darkness at night. Anything you do during the day with lighting um, will be totally eliminated if you don't restore that natural darkness and increase the sleep of the person who you who the focus is on, whether that be an Alzheimer's patient or someone with dementia or an individual that's attending at the office every day. All the benefits are come from better sleep. So human-centric lighting delivers better sleep to people, and then they're more alert, they feel better, they're less depressed, and all these other things. That That's basically you know how it works. How important, or has that issue come up in your discussions with respect to the L Prize, or just in within the DOE or in PNNL, and I'll let Brian go first. Right. So as as Kelly alluded to before, uh, talking about light at night, issues around light and health in the field is something that that we're actively working on. Right. The the DOE program actively uh, supports at PNL. That work uh, has continued. It's ongoing. Um, and, and yeah, Kelly definitely should speak about that here in just a second. I'll say also, I wanted to drive home a point that, that Kelly also made here a couple minutes ago about lighting application efficiency. It's, it's the way we're talking uh, about efficiency in, in new ways. One of the ways we're talking about efficiency in new ways, which is to say, right, we've, we have prioritized increasing efficiency of source technologies in the past, mm -hmm. right? The LED chips making sure that that lumens per watt is advancing as high as possible, whether you're talking phosphor converted, right, or, or the direct excited, directly excited um, color mixed uh, LEDs. We want to make sure that we're continually pu uh, pushing that, right, up and to the right. Um, now, at the same time, we're recognizing that an awful lot of photons that get generated don't ever reach an eye. That's that's you know if I if I cut out any of the other considerations, Michael, that you're mentioning, which which are extremely important, let's let's leave those to the side, right? Anybody who cares about the fundamental energy saving mission needs to be disturbed by that, uh, because mm -hmm. fundamentally we want light to do the job that it's installed to do, and that is not uh, lighting up the skies at night to distract pilots right from landing planes. Um, so we we're having to be very very mindful about technologies that can do that. We are funding R&D projects um, to assess lighting application efficiency to make sure that, that we describe it in ways that make sense. But also technologies, say with small businesses, uh, that are around putting the light exactly where it's needed and, and not putting it where it's not. Um, and so those are going to remain important. Uh, Certainly to, to me, I expect to the program, as long as there's innovation there to do, and as you've uh, expressed, uh, we've got a long way to go. Yes, and I, I would say the, the whole sky glow topic really has been on our, on our minds for um, a number of years now, um, especially you know, since, the, since the AMA came out with, with um, an opinion on, um, on light at night and, and kind of called out LED streetlights as, as um, you know, an issue where, where this is really, we need to look at this, right? And so we did a, uh, a modeling study that was published a couple of years ago. And then that uh, in turn led to some work with the IES um, on the, the um, what's called the Sky Glow Calculations Committee. Um, there is a, a document that's uh, in the final stages of review and, and kind of consensus approval. So that should be issued by the IES uh, sometime this calendar year, I think is what they're, what they're going for. 
Um, so yes, it's it's a very uh, important topic. Um, how do we how do we uh, keep the light pointing downwards and only use as much as we need? You know, you don't need to match um, the uh, the one for one output of HPS with with LED. You're going to get way too much light if you do that, and uh, it's just it's just unnecessary. We need to get the right amount of light for for visibility and be able to to dim it or turn it off when when people are not there and they don't they don't need it right so um so that is very important and and i would say also this this idea of the you know having dark when we need dark that's also something that we've been looking at in some uh interior applications specifically in senior care so when you're you know in a senior care facility it is a nursing facility so they need light um, the nurses need light uh, all the time to be able to check on the patients, but that, you know, it's not great to be sleeping uh, in a room with the door open and there's bright hallway light out there that that is not good for your sleep. Um, so even the simple step of really dimming down those hallway lights uh, and decreasing the color temperature. Um, you know, we did find in uh, working with some folks from Brown University School of Public Health, um, they documented that it, there was a, a statistically significant difference in people's uh, sleep. So, so fewer sleep disturbances if you were able to do that. And, and, and it really makes sense. It's a pretty, pretty simple thing to be able to do. And again, this is kind of along the lines of what I was talking about earlier. How can we improve um, even you know in in older facilities, it's a it's a a step you can take to retrofit those hallway lights and and enable that, and it can actually help people sleep and still allow the nursing staff to do what they what they need to do. So, I think the light that people get indoors in the later hours um, uh, of the evening is is really important because certainly dark skies are important. Um, but really, most people are indoors in the evening, and so the you know looking at their screens and looking at their phone and and just the ambient light that's around them, we really need attention to that as well. So again, looking for for kind of uh, simple but but effective solutions that that help people sleep better is is foundational. Agreed. And Agreed. you know before we before oh, I've got some feedback there. Hang on. Oh, there we go. That's the computer mic. Someone's computer mic is catching that. But, um, you know, it's, I, I think that the idea of darkness instead of dark skies, I like to use the word darkness because mm -hmm. it's, it, you know, it's multifaceted. It adds to, the, to the, the idea of the topic. And I know your colleague, Andrea Wilkerson, has done a lot of work on the, the tuning and the cueing yes. and how that, the, how that helps. And, you know, they, you know, Mark Ray, again, is another person who's, Dr. Mark Ray has done lots of work with the seniors. And this technology, we have a moral responsibility to deploy this technology based on their findings. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's a mandate. And so uh, I'm so happy to hear about the L Prize. Greg, do you have any final thoughts or should we turn it over to Brian and Kelly to, to kind of wrap it up on the L Prize and what we've talked about here today? Yeah, I wouldn't mind a piece of the twelve point two million. I don't know how, but let's try. <laughs> we'll pull a team together. <laughs> yeah. You never know, man. You know, we've uh, we might cook yeah. up a little scheme. You never know. So nice. Well, the and That's... I guess I just like people to know that you know where to find it. It's on the AmericanMadeChallenges.org website. This is a, a host platform for lots of different uh, prizes and challenges. Uh, from the DOE, and so so if you go to that AmericanMadeChallenges.org, you'll find the L Prize in the in the list there. 
Um, and then there's there's lots of opportunities to get more information. You can get the full guidelines uh, requirements document. Um, you can uh, sign up as a follower so that you you get um, regular messages about the prize. You can put together a team um, so you, you can get all the information there. You can ask questions. Uh, all the questions are posted along with answers, and then you can access the the formal uh, comment period as well. Craig, I know you really want the glory of winning of all things. Come on, bud. it's not just the money. <laughs> I'll take the money. Well, that's part of it, right? Bragging rights is part of it. That's that's a good incentive. For sure. So, folks, if you've made it to the end, Brian, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Well, I just wanted to say that I think that. Uh, in general, thinking about the jobs that, that lighting has to do, as you're pointing out, right, as we, we arrived in this conversation, uh, that's, a, that's a topic that's really just beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really appreciate the chance to, to hash some of it out. Of course, it's, it's always, an hour is always too short. Mm-hmm. Um, but yep. just really want to encourage um, the two of you, but also listeners uh, on your show, um, they have other thoughts about these topics and others that we should be thinking about. Um, I want to stress that, that we, don't, we don't have the answers and uh, it's not important for me to have the answers when I go out or when I originally uh, approach a topic like this, right? But together, we, we need to get to the right answer you know, iteratively over time. And uh, so really grateful for the opportunity to come on here uh, to help us get in that direction and um, hope we can continue to engage going forward. And folks, if you made it to the end here, I appreciate it. And I just want to say just... Uh, uh, equity and inclu- I don't know about equity, but diversity and inclusion is efficiency because we're talking about deploying all of our human capital uh, efficiently and in the industry. And so if you want to know more about that, um, Get a Grip on Lighting is putting out a special series with Edward Bar- Bartholomew and John Wilson, and they will be diving deep into those topics. It's going to be called contrast uh, contrast ratios. So you can check that out. I think coming out in, in July, Greg, no? Something like that? July, August, yeah. Something like, yeah, it always takes a little longer than I want it to, but <laughs> so look out for Edward Bartholomew and John Wilson. They're going to be diving deep into those issues and and being more specific around that and not just touching on that. And of course, Greg, uh, we got to thank our sponsors, Keystone Technologies. You got to go to K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. The easy folks, Greg. Right. Doing the Keystone Live experience where you can actually see the product and work. In the, in the field or at their office in a big showroom, they demo it and you can use it, sell it. Got great product. I don't know if they're doing the L prize. We'll ask them. Well, they can't do it without you, Greg, or get a grip on lighting. We've got to <laughs> form a team with them. Go to KeystoneTech.com. Of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, Light Made, uh, Light Made Easy. That's Keystone. No, where uh, you know where you can join and be educated. We've come up with our LS, LS Evolve program. Um, we mentioned Andrea Wilkerson from PNNL. She just created um, six or seven uh, modules on cueing and tuning in there that you really need to check out. But LS Evolve is only for nailed members. And of course, at the end of the show, we always say thanks to our colleagues and peers. We don't really have listeners. We just have colleagues that listen to this. So thank you for listening. And oh, and any, all that information from the L Prize will also be posted on the getagriponlighting.com website. So if you are driving right now or whatever you're doing, don't worry. Just go to getagriponlighting.com. Get Bye for now. <laughs>